It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast. So... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening everybody, that's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm in it them and Ramona, but despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be asking, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? Which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? And do you trust social media influencers with each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked you to send in your opinions 
on the following question. What is one way you are helping to tackle the climate emergency? And as always, you guys have been sending us lots and lots of messages. And our first one comes in from Fadar. And I hope I've got your name wrong uh, right there. So uh, they say it feels like there is so little that we can actually do as individuals to tackle climate change because it's such a massive issue. And we are already so deep in the issue. For me, I think it's important for us to do everything we can do, though. I try to use too many any I try not to use too many plastics, not throw out clothes the whole time. I only fly to go on holiday once a year or twice, including the return journey. I don't leave the taps running, etc. But also I use my social media. My my Instagram has basically become an Extinction Rebellion fan page because I like to remind people constantly of the climate emergency because it's it because it is an emergency. And if I remind them, maybe they'll pay the, play their part too. People might find me annoying for it, but it's important that people don't forget the reality of our planet right now. Well, Callum, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a, a really interesting ways to help um, tackle the climate emergency. I particularly think, um, obviously, the, the last way in terms of using social media is a, a really interesting way, actually. Um, and it really does make you kind of think about, in a sense, is that actually out of these options, the kind of more practical options, you, you would say, of, of, you know, only flying once a year, not throwing out old clothes um, too early as such, not trying to use plastic. So those are really practical steps. But then there's this kind of a, more of an abstract step, uh, step of, of using social media. And it really does make you think it which of these are actually more beneficial in helping to tackle the climate emergency. And I think in a sense, I might well come down on the the other way in terms of that using social media is actually in many ways a more effective way of do, of doing these kind of things. Or at least it can encourage more people to do those kind of things that um, Fadar, or again, I apologise if I pronounced your name incorrectly. Um, but what they, um, what those practical steps are that, that they've outlined, um, social media could encourage more people to do those kind of things, and I think that is obviously really important. I mean, George, I mean, obviously, what, what do you think of this opinion? But also, um, what do you think of that kind of toss-up between which is more important, these practical steps or more abstract use of social media um <clears throat> excuse me I, I i think it's a really interesting uh, opinion to have and i think that they as callum you rightly say there is always that really hard um area to to determine which one is better in in terms of influencing people and also making an impact on the planet and i'm going to take the argument that i think it's both because i i don't believe that we could just use social media to to uh put our message out there because you, we need to have action as well you know it would all be very well and good if someone that owned 25 jet planes and an oil tanker um tweeted about extinction rebellion and the climate emergency yeah. because then themselves wouldn't actually be doing anything um and it's it is the little things and, and i'm sure as we read out these opinions we will find that is that it is absolutely the little things that can help um and to take the tagline from tesco's every little helps 
<laughs> I don't. I, I didn't expect Tesco to be getting in free advertising tonight. But, uh, other, but, other supermarkets available. <laughs> <laughs> right then, moving on to our next opinion. Uh, it's from Alicia or Alicia again. Sorry if I pronounced both of those wrong. Um, oh. But uh, I went to one of the climate change protests. It was really fun, and I felt like we were doing a really good thing. Also, though, the biggest thing I do is take public transport places instead of going in a car to places. I'm too young to drive anyway. If I'm going to a friend's house or into town, then I'll take a bus or train instead because the exhausts from cars are so bad for the environment. I mean, what do you make of that, George? Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's great that um, you've been able to attend a protest and and it's, it is important. If you really believe in something and you're passionate about something, then absolutely go to that protest. And if you think like you if you feel like you're doing a good thing, then I can pretty much guarantee that it is a good thing and you are making an influence on on certain people. And I think one of the biggest things about the protests that have gone on is that because there are young people protesting it's making those that wouldn't normally look in that direction um actually take a look because it's not a lot of people would say oh young people will just stay inside on their computer but this cause is making people from all walks of life come out and protest and make sure that we are aware of the situation um and also it is so good that you're using public transport i mean i will hold my hands up i don't use public transport that often i mean if i go up to <laughs> london um i will get the train up but apart from that i i'm not the biggest uh user of public transport but that is because i do have a car and if i can give someone a lift i will always give someone a lift um i'm not that selfish so uh so yeah i i think absolutely if you can't drive you know don't just rely on your parents to, to give you lifts everywhere make sure that you use the available public transport that is around what are your thoughts though Callum? Yeah, I mean, I echo really what you say, that using public transport is obviously really, really important and a really good way um, of um, helping to kind of reduce um, carbon emissions and help tackle the climate emergency in that way. And it's why I found it so surprising, as I mentioned on the show last week, um, it's why I found it so surprising when Extinction Rebellion were targeting public transport um as a way of of getting their message across because the inconvenience in people from taking public transport seems kind of counterintuitive to the aims of uh, extinction rebellion um but that is a kind of another topic for another day um i i wanted to ask you a question george though which is you know what what is it that you are doing what is one way you are helping uh, to tackle the climate emergency um <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is the question george so you shouldn't be that yeah. surprised this has come up yeah I know. um i i really make sure i when i was younger i was always someone that would always leave the tap on when i was brushing my teeth and i would always leave the lights on unnecessarily yeah. um and now i always make sure that i am turning lights off when i don't use them i'm turning the tap off after i brush my teeth and wash my hands um and also something that's really important i find um that can make a big effect is when i do drive and i'm stuck in traffic i turn my engine off um because yeah. Or, or I'm, I'm sat waiting for someone, I turn my engine off because an idling engine can actually cause quite a lot of emissions out of the exhaust. So when, with an engine off, obviously you're not using any petrol or emissions. And it's actually a little uh, thing, easy thing to do that can 
actually over a long time make quite a big impact. But Callum, what what are you doing to uh, save the planet? There always feels like something really um, accusatory about uh, that question, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) But um, no, one of the things that I am doing is that um, for, for this show, when we first started, um, I used to print out the script every week. I used to print out my notes every week. Um, I've switched over to doing it paperless nowadays. Um, and so that's kind of one way of, of making or not contributing so much towards um, deforestation. Um, and just another way is that whenever I do buy quite a lot of meal deals, I will admit, is probably not that surprising given I'm a student. Um, <laughs> But um, what I try and do nowadays is when, instead of buying a drink that's in like a plastic bottle, um, I, I try and buy a can or, or something that's made from at least from recyclable plastic um, just so that I'm not contributing so badly. Although I do accept that even a can is not exactly great in terms of um, efficiency of resources. So I suppose there's always something more we could be doing. I, I I thought you were going to say that you just stopped making notes, and I was going to say, well, that's the reason why you've got so rubbish. Um, <laughs> Charming. <laughs> I'm joking. So our next opinion comes in from Aiden, and uh, they say it's too late to stop climate change, but there are all things we can do to stop the impacts of it from being as bad as they could be. It's all about the little things that add up. Not using plastic bags, wearing your clothes for longer than than always buying new clothes, reducing food wastage, recycling and protesting. Protesting is so important because it puts pressure on our leaders to make the big changes that we can't possibly make on our own. Well, Callum, it's quite a statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, definitely is. Uh, I mean, I, I do to a certain extent agree. Um, because of course, yeah, um, it does put pressure um, on politicians and, and world leaders to to take action. Um, and I think we have seen the benefits of protesting really in this last year um, with the schools protests, but also the, the Extinction Rebellion activations that they've had. It's it's brought it into the public conversation a lot more than it otherwise would be. And I think yeah. a large part of that is because it's seen as, uh, especially the schools process, are, are seen as attracting a lot of obviously younger people to do these things. And actually that youth vote is so sought after in politics. So from a cynical perspective, I think that's part of the reason why suddenly environmentalism um, has come onto the public agenda a lot more. But that's a good thing and it shows the benefits that, pro- the benefits that protests can bring. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's I think also the, the protesting side of things, as, as Callum and I have kept saying, is that um, when protests happen, it's it's key that they are kept to what the actual cause is and not disrupting people that are actually trying to help the planet by using public transport. And I think that's the thing with protests. It's so easy for protests to get out of hand and, and to yeah. lose the core message. Um, so if you do go out and protest for the climate emergency, make sure that you are keeping to that core message to to really put across the the reason why you're out there protesting and to even encourage people to to join you on the protest. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Right. Okay. So remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. But it is now time for the first song break of this evening. So we'll be back after this lovely tune. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discuss. So moving on to our second discussion of this evening, we are asking the question, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? So former One Direction star and now solo artist Liam Payne has faced a backlash for his new song, Both Ways, this week. Uh, The song fetishizes bisexual women in the way it depicts the benefits from a male perspective of having a bisexual girlfriend. At one point, the song says, make every day my birthday. Let's celebrate like, oh my gosh, she do things you won't believe. Twitter user Katie Gatfield criticised the song, saying it made it seem like bisexual women only exist for men's pleasure. This incident in objectification of bisexual women comes on the back of um, National Centre for Injury Provision and Control figures. Uh, which shows that bisexual women are more likely to suffer sexual violence than heterosexual or lesbian women. Many argue not enough is being done to protect bisexual people, particularly women, uh, from these dangerous intrusions on their rights. George, what did you make of this Liam Payne song? Does it harm bisexual people's rights? And more generally, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? Um, well, it's, it's always uh, an interesting, interesting area because I've got, um, a few friends that are bisexual and, um, they always tell me that they always feel victimized or feel as if that they are the ones that feel, um, as if they're, they're isolated because unfortunately I believe that a lot of people that are bisexual, don't feel as if they can fit in the heterosexual group or the gay group. Um, and there is a lot of um, people within the gay community that um, will dislike bisexuals because they can't choose, as, as, as they say, and also from the heterosexual side as well. Yeah. And because of that, I feel that there are, and from talking to my bisexual friends, they have told me that they feel so isolated because there isn't actually that group that they can be a part of um, because they say that, you know, they, they don't, they um, obviously being bisexual, they um, would be with either sex and it, it it is a problem. And I think a lot of the time um, and I, and I'm not being, um, rude against those who are gay but a lot of the time I feel as if a lot of the attention goes on people that are gay um, and a lot of the uh, news and media and the people that are bisexual get left behind and they don't get thought about they just presume that they or people presume that they just come into the gay category which I don't think is necessarily right they are bisexual and they they aren't gay they're bisexual um so i do believe that there is a problem with a with us protecting um bisexual people's rights because there is so much more f- understanding around that that 
those those individuals because um, a lot of attention has gone on heterosexuals and um, the gay communities. So I, I definitely think that more needs to be done. Um, what do you think, though, Callum? Yeah, I mean, I, I echo what you said in terms of um, I do think definitely more needs to be done to protect bisexual people's rights, because I think there is a huge problem um, in terms of kind of stigmatizing um, bisexuality in the fact that quite often you hear of the fact that bisexuality is a kind of phase um, and and that if a, a, um, a person who's bisexual is, is dating someone of, of the same sex as them, that quite often if they then go on to date someone of the opposite sex, um, they they will it will be referred to as when they were dating someone of the same sex that so that was a, a phase in their life, as it were, not by that particular person, but I mean by their by their parents or their friends and family. Mm. Um, so I, I think there does need to be a kind of better acceptance of the fact that bisexuality is a thing that does exist as such, because I, I think there is a a kind of feeling of, as you say, George, if people say, oh, well, why can't they, why can't they choose um, which um, gender they like or which sex they like? Um, and, and I mean, that's just completely wrong. That's completely ignorant, really, yeah. um, to, to, to the facts. And, and more to the point, I think a really strong way of, of kind of coming back on that uh, as an argument is that in a sense, why are, why do we need to choose, as it were, which um, which sex we prefer? Because at the end of the day, sure, surely the the thing that should matter is that that person, that person suits you. Um, mm. So therefore, you could almost say that bisexual people have got it right because they're not blinded by um, by sex and by by gender. They're they're actually just picking people. Are on their own merits, um, yeah. and so I think that's a kind of really strong argument um, to protect bisexual people's rights. Yeah. Do you do you think that um, we have unfortunately got to a point, possibly, where it is harder for those that are bisexual to to come out, to come out to their friends, and to to admit that they are bisexual to their friends and families, because of the stigma that is around being bisexual nowadays. Do you think it is it would be easier for them just to come out gay? Yeah, I think in a certain sense it is, or or I think probably what is more the problem is that bisexual people don't see the need to come out. Yeah. In the same way that someone who's gay or, or lesbian would, and um, because of the fact that, um, you know, they might well end up um, dating or, or marrying or at least settling down with someone who is of the opposite sex, which unfortunately still in society is seen as the kind of more quote normal um, relationship to have. So I think there's there's probably a problem of of them not coming out because they. Because there's still a, there is still that kind of social stigma, although it is fast being um, massively reduced. There still is a, a, that little social stigma about um, same-sex relationships, and I think, in a sense, bisexual people get it worse because of the fact um, that 
they kind of have a, a, a choice in terms of um, coming out in that they, they may well still be able to have a, a loving relationship with someone, romantic relationship, without actually having to, to come out because they may end up set, um, settling down with someone who is of the opposite sex to them. I mean, what do you think, George? Yeah, I, I, I totally do believe that, that unfortunately um, bisexual people probably would find it easier to come out as as being gay um, than actually saying that they were bisexual. But you, you do make a really important point, Kenna, that I had actually never even thought of, that there are probably a lot of bisexual people out there um, that don't feel the need to come out, as it were, because they they could settle down with someone that is of the opposite sex. And as you are, as you correctly said, that is seen to be the, the normal choice in society. Um, and so there wouldn't be any need for them to even come out and, and to unfortunately, no matter where you come from, if you do um, come out as bisexual or gay, there is that stigma that comes around it. So you don't you don't need to put that um unnecessary pressure on yourself to in coming out um but uh, do you think we will ever um see see in this country focusing on this country um a, 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 an area where bisexuals or, or those that choose not to quote be in the normal relationships heterosexual relationships do you think we will ever see an, an equality between all choices in terms of do I think that there will be kind of equal numbers of these people or do you just mean that the stigma has gone? I, I, no, I mean, as time goes on, um, do you think and it is more accepted, do you think there will be more equal numbers between heterosexual and gay and bi um, and so on? Yeah, uh, I, I think that I, I don't think we probably will ever get to a point where there is a kind of complete equality or even near to a complete equality um in terms of um straight up numbers of people who are by lgb um compared to those who are heterosexual um but i do think that we're moving in the right directions in terms of broader um acceptance of um these kind of or of those relationships and the acceptance of the fact that people can love who they blooming well want um i mean what do you think george i i think we can have confidence in the fact that one day we will be able to um be in a world and a country that uh accepts everyone for who they are and what they are and who they want to love that's a very inspiring uh way to finish that topic but um, remember guys you've got a chance to vote on this poll uh that question is is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello, and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we asked the question, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? And you can find out our results to that poll over on our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Right, okay, so let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? So I think everyone at one stage of their life, if not more stages of their life, sits back 
possibly at work or at school or at university and thinks, oh, I would love to go traveling for a month or a couple of weeks or I would love to go to a country and see the culture of that area to in, embrace the, the traditions of that area as well. And we often refer to things that we want to go and do, wishes that we want to go and do as our bucket list. Um, and bucket lists can have all different kinds of things on there, um, from going swimming with turtles to drinking a bottle of water that's made out of glass or something. I don't know. That was very random. Uh, <laughs> that's rubbish. <laughs> um, but we're asking which of, uh, which country you want to go to uh, travel to. So, which one out of the following would you want to go to? North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, or Australia? Well, Callum, um, I was going to do the accents for all of those, but I'll leave that to you. Um, <laughs> which one are you going to say? Uh, so out of those, the, the kind of destination or continent, as these are, that I would most want to go to, would be South America. Um, it's somewhere that I've, I've, well, I wouldn't say always, but it's somewhere that I've wanted to go to now for a good few years. Um, particularly, uh, I want to go to Peru. Um, so I want to um, go and see Machu Picchu, which obviously is pretty standard in terms of on bucket list. But also in South America, I, I want to go to Colombia. Bolivia to and see the salt flats there. Um, obviously, then some of the more um, common ones as well in in terms of Argentina and Brazil. Obviously, amazing places to see and and the depiction of South America is is such a, a vibrant place really um, that I just think it would be amazing to go and see. And also, I absolutely really want to go uh, to the Amazon as well. So. So there's kind of some really amazing opportunities there, I think, that make that top my bucket list. What about you, George? What what tops your bucket list out of these destinations? Well, I, for a very, very long time, since I was um, young, have always, always, always uh, wanted to go to Africa. Um, it is some a place that I would just... I One day, I wouldn't mind living there, Um I used to want to go and work in Africa on, on the safari ranch and do a safari ranger training course that was for six months and you go and work out there for um, five years and I looked into doing that when I was younger and wanted to be a zoologist. Um, and even today, I would love to be able to take a month, if not two months out um, of my working life and, and go there and just experience Africa's culture, the tribal culture, the the animals, the the views, the landscape. I just I can't tell you how much of a dream um, it would be of me to, to go there. And, and I wouldn't mind where where to go. I mean, uh, when I was younger. Uh, we were supposed to go on safari there, but unfortunately, due to a uh, civil war going on in Kenya at the time, we had to cancel it because it was too dangerous for us to go oh, on. Okay. Um, but even still, I still have it on my bucket list and it doesn't have a tick next to it yet. So I hope that one day I will be able to get there. Um, but would you ever allow Asia to be on your bucket list, Callum? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Asia is definitely... Um somewhere that I'd I'd want to go I mean obviously in terms of in the in the world right now 
um, China is so massively on the rise, really, and is, is likely to become the world's foremost superpower um, in the next 20 years, say. Um, I think that means that I absolutely definitely want to, to go to China and see um, the kind of life they have there. Um, and, and also, t- talking of rising superpowers, there's also India and Asia as well. And, and obviously, that would be a fascinating place to go and visit. Um, I, I mean, I kind of think that all, all of these um, places have merits, really. And if I had a bottomless pit of money, I definitely would, would want to go to all of them. I, I mean, George, just to try and... Um, uh, give give a, a different perspective as it were um yeah. which of these destinations would you l- least be inclined to to want to go to Ooh, that's a, oh that's why do you ask me difficult questions <laughs> um i'm gonna say possibly Europe and it, it it's because um and no it's not because I'm a Brexiteer before I hear people saying that um <laughs> it's because I feel that I I'm someone that enjoys landscapes that are open um and of of natural beauty and a lot of Europe's landscape is city landscape and yeah. it is a lot more um city based and and uh it's not urban areas so because of that I I think I would prefer not going to Europe. And also I've had a lot of family holidays in Europe, you know, um, Spain, Italy, Germany and, and, and places like that. And as much as I do absolutely enjoy going on those holidays, it's not somewhere that I would choose to often go to. Now, I, I think if we were asking an American their opinion, they would possibly say um, they wouldn't possibly go to America to uh, on their bucket list because um, it's right outside their front door and I think that's yeah. my argument with Europe is that it is easily accessible you know we can get on the Eurostar and it's 45 minutes on the train from where we live um, and I think that's another reason it's that if I was going to somewhere on my bucket list I would like to go somewhere that's that's little that little bit further and that a um, little bit harder to get to what what about you Callum would you side with me on Europe or would you go to argue for somewhere else um i was originally gonna say australia but i i actually i i think you've convinced me actually that that europe um especially if if we're talking about in terms of i've got a bottomless pit of money as i said earlier europe isn't going to be up there top on my list just because even without the bottomless pit of money europe feels fairly accessible so it's not because i don't want to go there but it's because it doesn't it feels far more attainable so so therefore it's it's not necessarily that kind of once in a lifetime experience particularly for like more western and central european countries it's not a once in a lifetime experience because i might well end up going there multiple times yeah. i mean thinking of the example of greece i have been there multiple times um so i think based upon that um, I, I, Europe would would not necessarily top my bucket list, as it were. But Australia, the reason why I was thinking of saying there is because a I just I hate the heat, as you know, George. And <laughs> so if I went to Australia when it was really hot, I, I think I would absolutely hate it. And 
<laughs> that sounds so depressing, doesn't it? It does. Um, but I also just don't, I don't think there's enough culture or anything in Australia, and this is really, really kind of bad of me, and I'm sure there'll be loads of Australians, or not just Australians, sorry, um, it should be Australasia, I've just realised that option, not not Australia, um, but um, I, I'm sure there'll be loads of people from that continent that will point out the fact that there's absolutely loads of stuff to go and see there, and there's loads of culture there, um, but my perception of it is, compared to somewhere like Asia Africa or South America, there's just not so much history there um, to, to really get your teeth into. And history's such an important part of why I travel, really. Yeah, I, do, I mean, apart from your brother and Matt probably being quite disappointed about you slagging off Australia there, Callum, um, <laughs> who do you think is going to come out on top? Or what do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, I'm going to back South America, I think. I think that's immensely popular destination with younger people which is majority of our audience really i mean what do you think well i'm gonna back africa because i love africa so much um but it is time for you guys to vote on this question which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list now remember um they are north america south america europe asia africa or Australasia. Um, and you can do that by voting on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. We'll be back after this song break. Hello and welcome back. So, before that break, we asked the question, which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Right then, time to move on to our fourth and final discussion of this evening. We are asking, do you trust social media influencers? So social media influencers have become a new and increasingly prevalent kind of celebrity with huge marketing potential. Marketing firm Isaiah found the average price of a sponsored photo on Instagram has jumped from £104 in 2014 to £1,276 in 2019, highlighting this huge marketing poll. But doubts are beginning to emerge about the trustworthiness of many influencers, given the huge sums they can attract to simply endorse a product on social media. It would seem a huge conflict of interest is emerging for many of the largest stars that makes their word far less than gospel. George, what do you think? Do you trust social media influencers? Um, not particularly. Uh, I, I, I think there are obviously someone has has realized that there is an area that can be targeted uh, and an area that can, people can make money out of. So, of course, um, you're going to look into to having social media influences as they are. Um, but I, I, I always feel as if these social media influences are. Uh, sometimes I don't know what the word is, but sometimes they they seem to forget that they are influencers as, as and they they say things that are maybe wrong or shouldn't be said. Um, and a lot of people just take the opinion of what's being said there. So I, I don't know. It's it's 
it's hard, but I can see why they are in place because sometimes they can be good if we go back to the climate change and, and um, the climate emergency problems. But on other things, I think they can be a problem. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, I don't I don't trust social media influencers at, at all, um, especially the, the bigger stars, as it were, because, as I said in the instruction, they, they pull in so much money for just simply saying, I use Listerine or I shop at Waitrose or, or, or whatever. And I'm, that's not me taking a specific dig at any specific marketing campaign. Um, that was just more way of an example. Um, but I think, you know, they, there is a massive problem. Um, in terms of social media influences and and yeah, what what kind of influence effectively uh, they can have? Um, I do think, however, that that problem is getting le- is lessening now, um, because I think there is a much more of a public awareness of the actual kind of money behind what a lot of these influences are saying. Um, I mean, George, do you think that there is something markedly different about a, a, an influencer with huge, huge pull like um, Zoella or um, PewDiePie to a certain extent that um, compared to these more micro influencers that only maybe have um, thousands of followers rather than millions? Do you think we can trust maybe micro influencers more than we can trust um, what are known as macro influencers? No, I don't. I don't think we can trust either of them. I think the people that are on millions think they can say whatever they like because they've already got millions of followers and they know that what they say a lot of people take um, as law. Um, and then I would say the smaller ones to try and make a name for themselves would say some things that are a little bit more controversial to make sure they get noticed. Um, so I wouldn't believe any of them really. Um, I would. As I often say on this show, um, and so do you, Callum, that whoever or whatever you see on online and social media, just go and do a bit of research around it. If you see an opinion, go and have a look at a different opinion and come to your own opinion. Don't just see something and go, oh, yeah, that must be true. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, um, I mean, a really, really good point there, George. I mean, obviously, just trust in what you see online isn't, is in an ideal situation. But I mean, is there any um, examples of influencers, though, that you do follow and you find yourself liking um, a lot of what they do? Because I mean, uh, unfortunately, unless really you, you've been living under a rock, um, everyone is to a certain extent impacted by these people. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, I wouldn't so much say there is anyone that I follow religiously um there are the there's the odd person obviously on twitter that i follow but i I wouldn't be able to name them if i'm honest um that i quite often see and think yeah that's a good point and i'll retweet it or like it um obviously with me a lot of the stuff that i do or retweet or read is political um so it's and that's always a dodgy area as well because there are people that do get paid to to promote political causes um and it's 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 it is hard but is there anyone in particular that stands out for you Callum? uh well since um well i mean since probably 2012 2013 i've 
always followed this um, this account. It originated on YouTube. It's now quite big on Instagram as well, called uh, Slip Heart TV. Um, and effectively, what they do is that they, or at least originally, they were just doing uh, men's hairstyle videos. Um, and whenever I got a haircut, I used to load up uh, that YouTube channel and have a look at them because they've done a lot of um, how-to guides on um, hairstyles of footballers. Um, and obviously, that's always a massive influence when you're younger. Um, yeah. So I still do um, when I go to get a haircut. Sometimes, if I fancy a change, um, I do always have a look on there, and I I followed them on Instagram, and I like pretty much everything they do. So I, I'm certainly not um, uh, immune from um, social media influences and their influence. Um, but one thing I would say is that I, although the, these uh, slick card do actually sell products, I've never bought them before so i think you can be influenced by influencers without actually um you know parting with your money uh, as it were um right then uh, we've reached time to go on to our final subject of this evening but don't forget to vote in this poll do you trust social media influencers you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk force us to listen and we'll be back very soon <laughs> Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we ask the question, do you trust social media influencers? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page. That's at His Radio. Right then, we've reached that sad part of your Sunday night. It's time to end this evening's <laughs> show. So thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Up and Girl. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. So as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we liked... Uh, you to send in your opinions on this question what are your Christmas traditions because next week is Callum and I's or to be discussed with Cup and Gur Christmas special and we know how you all love Callum and my Christmas specials um, <laughs> they're uh, full of random things full of Christmas uh, cheer George I wouldn't go that far so so you can send us um, your answers to that question by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through twitter that's at wizardradio uh, or so remember that question is what are your Christmas traditions and as always we will be looking forward to hearing those Christmas traditions but it is now time for Callum and I to be leaving so as always I've been the Santa Claus in training George Lawrence Cup <laughs> I've got nothing. I've been Callum Gare. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.